Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing our walk through the Gospel of John, and um, here Jesus uses uh, a, a parable or analogy to teach and communicate. And to really understand what he's talking about, you kind of need to know the, the background, the, the back story, which is true of, of a lot of analogies we use today, right? So to use an analogy, you kind of need to know the backstory. For instance, if uh, I'm telling you about a, a friend of mine who has a flat tire, and I say his tire was flatter than a Tom Brady football. <laughs> Some of you got it, right? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. I get it. Others of you are like, I don't think that's funny. It was never proven. <laughs> and still others of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Because you've got to know the backstory. So the backstory is briefly this. Tom Brady may or may not have been deflating the football so he could get a better grip when throwing a football in a football game. That's the backstory. So Jesus, in our gospel reading for today, is talking about sheep and sheep pen and shepherds. But there's a backstory. Because in the Old Testament, it often talks about sheep and shepherds. Probably the most famous example is Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23 was written by King David, who was a shepherd before he was elevated by God to the status of king. And King David was the, the preeminent king in all of Israel's history. He was king over their, their glory days. And the people in Jesus' time would say, oh, if we could only go back to the time when King David was our king. Those were good, good days. And that theme has continued throughout the entire Old Testament. We hear it again in Ezekiel 37. It says this, My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd they will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors, ancestors lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. And so Ezekiel writes at a time when King David is already dead. But he says, one will come, one will be king over my people, and he will be like a shepherd to them, to guide, to protect, to lead, and be a shepherd forever. In our reading from Jeremiah, chapter 23, the theme continues, where God has raised up under-shepherds, who are to take care of the flock of the God's people. And they're not doing a very good job, as Charlie read for us. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. This, therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself... I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. Here God is saying to the under-shepherds, the, the, the leaders of God's people, you've done a horrible job. And so now I'm going to do the job. 
I will bring my people back. And I will shepherd. And I will guide. And I will protect. And I will lead. Which brings us to our gospel reading today in John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders and the people of the day. And these people have Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Psalm 23 in their heads. They know the backstory. And Jesus says to them, I am not a thief. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. The implication being, leaders, you're the thieves. See, sheep pens in those days, they weren't like the little split rail fences we think of today and little sheep you know, grazing the pasture. A sheep pen in those days was a more sturdy structure. It was a, a rock wall. So you'd pile up your rocks and you'd get them about so high, high enough so a predator couldn't, couldn't jump the wall. And at night you'd bring your sheep into there where they can rest and relax and sleep. Well, predators may not be able to get in, but a thief sure could. And a thief could climb that, that short wall and jump in and steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus is harsh. Jesus is harsh to the leaders of that day and age. And when we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus is, is gentle and compassionate and patient with sinners. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves the broken. Jesus loves the repentant. Jesus loves the struggling. But the, the unrepentant, those who keep others from God, from grace, from Jesus, who is pretty harsh. And so the the question I have for you today is this. In what way are you drawing the people around you towards Jesus? In what way? And the other question I have for you today is this. In what way are you keeping people from Jesus? In what way do people see you and they go, oh, I don't think I want any part of that. You might think to yourself, well, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm good there. I'm good there. I'm not keeping anyone away. I may not be doing such a great job drawing people to Jesus, but I'm not keeping anyone away. But it happens so easily. It's so easy. I'm in the process of uh, remodeling our basement. And it's a process I thought would take about six months. That was 13, 14 months ago. I'm still in the process of remodeling my basement. Because I thought, one, it can't be all that hard. And, and two, I thought, well, whatever I can't do, I'll just, I'll just hire out. But all the stuff I can do, I'll just do. Right? And so, some months, months, months ago, I'm, I'm doing some demo work. Right? I'm trying to get these cabinets out so I can reuse them. And I'm not very good at this stuff. I thought it was good enough, and I'm not good enough. And so I'm taking out these cabinets I want to reuse, and in the process, I break one. Can't use it. 
It's, this is last summer. Like I said, this has been a process. And the windows are all open in the basement. And I have to confess to you, I said some choice words to that cabinet. And I didn't say them quietly either. I said them loudly. A week later, I'm in my backyard. And my neighbor's in her backyard. Like little tiny little fence, you know, picket fence. And she says, so, I hear you're having some trouble in your basement. <laughs> and she didn't say it in a funny type of way, like, hey, how's it going? I heard you. <laughs> she was upset. Because she knows I'm a pastor. Which is Latin for shepherd. And here's this person I've been praying for. And, and speaking to and trying to introduce Jesus to. And now she knows me as a foul-mouthed neighbor from next door. <laughs> it's horrible. When you become a follower of Jesus and his name is placed upon you in your baptism, you become his representative to a world that's dying without him. What you say matters. What you do matters. Because God invites you to be salt and light. To attract people to Jesus. Or repel them. Jesus says he's not a thief. He doesn't repel people from himself. but Rather he invites people to himself. He invites them through the door. Jesus continues the imagery of a sheep pen. And in the translation it says a gate. But don't think gate as like a little, a little hinged thing that's, that's uh, you know, just a couple pieces of wood and a little, little bracket. This is a, a sturdy gate inside a rock wall. <coughs> maybe not a door, maybe not being closed, but it's a, it's a sturdy thing. And Jesus says... Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate or the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is the door. Jesus is not a door. Jesus is not one door among many great and lovely other doors. Jesus is the door. And he is the door. He is the way for salvation and life. And we live in a world where there are lots of other doors. There are lots of other options. And some of them are spiritual. Do this. Try this. Follow this person. Follow that person. And they don't work. Some of those doors are political. Vote for that person. Vote for that person. A little note. 
If any political candidate says it says they're gonna solve all your problems, he or she is lying. Because that person's not Jesus. And what they're saying is, I can be a functional savior for you. And we live in a world of people and things promising to be a functional savior. Achieve this level of success and you'll have purpose. Drive this type of car and you're somebody. Have this type of family and you've made it. Live this type of life and you're a winner. We live in a world of functional saviors. And they're all around us. And many times they're good things. They're just not God things. I remember uh, a gentleman, a family in my church, the church I served in, in California, and uh, their daughter, their only daughter, went off to college 30 miles away. And, and the dad was just crushed, heartbroken. And he was so heartbroken, uh, he couldn't function at work and lost his job. Heartbroken, right? And, uh, and the wife said to me, I don't know what's wrong with them. I'm trying everything I can think of. The daughter said to me, I come home every Sunday for dinner. And he was heartbroken because he loved his little girl so much. But she wasn't just his daughter. She was his functional savior. That was his purpose in life. That was his reason for everything he did. And then his little girl moved away, and then he didn't have a purpose for life. There are a lot of functional saviors in the world today. And a lot of times they're good things, good people. Jesus is the door. He's the door. And he is the, the door that is the pathway for salvation through him. Because he is the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. There are a lot of analogies in the Old Testament of sheep and, and shepherds. And shepherds guide, they protect, and they lead, but they never die for the sheep. They don't. The closest we get is Psalm 23, you know, where Jesus is the good shepherd. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. But even that shepherd, that Psalm 23 shepherd, doesn't die for the sheep. But Jesus does. Jesus gave his life for you. Because he loves you that much. And if you've experienced that type of shepherding love in your life, you are very blessed. And you, you know what that type of shepherding love looks like. If you've experienced it, you can say, oh, Jesus loves like that. When I was little, we grew up in the Orange County area of California, and we had family down in the San Diego area, about two hours drive away. And we would go down and visit them often, and then come back home uh, fairly late at night. And I'd, I would always fall asleep in the car. Because... There's nothing more comforting and secure feeling than falling asleep in a car when someone you love and trust and someone who loves you is driving the vehicle. 
I remember when my daughter was first learning how to drive, and she said to me, Dad, you can take a nap while I drive. I'm like, I love you, but no. Not sleeping, right? I'd sleep now. You're a very good driver. But in the early days, uh-uh-uh. Not sleeping. No way. So my dad would drive. And I would fall asleep in the back seat. And we'd get to our house, and he'd pull into the driveway. And he'd stop the car, get out of the car, open up the garage door by hand. Do you remember those days? Yeah. So a big, heavy wooden garage door, he'd lift it up. And he'd walk into the garage, and he'd flip on the light, because that was the only way to get light in the garage in those days, right? He'd walk back to the car, get in the car, close the car door, drive into the garage, park the car. So, of course, by now, I am awake. But I'm pretending to sleep. Because I know what my dad will do. My dad will get out of the car, and he'll open up the passenger door. He would bend over to that little Dotson hatchback, right? And pick me up. And he would hold me close to his chest. And his strong arms, he'd walk me to to the door into the house and bounce me on his shoulder and get the door with the other hand. And he'd walk in. And while he was walking me down the hallway, holding me in his strong arms, he would say, I know you're playing possum. <laughs> and I would like tuck my head in, or I'd be like, you know, give a fake snore or something like that. Because I just wanted him to carry me. And he would place me in my bed and take off my shoes and pull back the covers and slip my feet in there and he'd pull the covers back on. And he'd walk back out to the garage and do the exact same thing to my twin brother, who was also playing possum in the car. <laughs> it was a great feeling. My dad, my shepherd, was watching over and caring for me. Until I hit middle school. And then my dad said, get out of the car. You were too heavy. There's no way I'm heading down to pick you up. <laughs> And I'd say, all right, Dad. Actually, it was middle school, so I said, all right, Dad. You know? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus is a good shepherd. And he's strong enough to carry you. He's strong enough to carry you. And nothing and no one is too heavy for him. There's no sin that's too great for him to die for. There's no shame that's not that's too big for him to, to cover over. Jesus Christ is a good shepherd. And he loves you. He died and rose for you. Because you're his. And no one was out of his reach. No one is too far away for him to save. No one is unworthy of his grace because he is a good, good shepherd. And he loves you. You are his, the sheep of his pasture, his beloved, his own. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are a good shepherd. 
Thank you, Lord, that um, you, you invite us to come to you with all of our sin, with all of our baggage, and you take it and you leave it at your cross. Lord Jesus, help us to keep leaving our sin there. Help us to keep leaving our shame there. Lord, you are a good shepherd. We find healing in you. We find our strength in you. We find our rest in you. We find our purpose in you. We find our joy in you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen. Amen.